We will not go quietly into the night. Wait, that's the wrong movie. Sorry. Ah. I'm so excited about today's podcast. Yes, me too. I feel like it's been a while since we recorded. It's definitely only been a week, <laughs> but uh, we both saw a three-hour-long movie. Yes, we which, did. Which uh, feels like a, a year has gone by. I aged. <laughs> I feel like it does feel longer and longer between recordings now. I don't know if it's it's just an, an enjoyable experience. An absence it's, makes the heart grow fonder. Who knows? Uh, yes, is that a is that a, a biblical reference? No, wait a minute. I don't think so. It it's feels like a Jane Austen sort of <laughs> reference. T.S. Eliot, yeah. Uh, okay, so for our listeners, yes. I'm Nate Baranowski, this is Stephen Robles, and this is Movies on the Side, our podcast about movies, mayonnaise, and everything in between. Thanks for joining us today. Are you reading the about page on our website right now? Is that, what, <laughs> is that what's happening? No, no. Is that what it says? Oh. Yes, pretty close. And now let's get into the meat of things. The popcorn button on our microwaves. Do you trust them? (laughs) Can you trust them? Nate, you're going to jump, just jump right into a heady topic like that. I just had popcorn. I put, use the popcorn button because I trusted it. It literally popped half of the kernels. And now, and you can't repop the other half. They've been tainted. No. Listen, I was a long time microwave popcorn or growing up i mean mm. that was mm. uh, a staple in my diet uh, growing up in new york and my friend and i we had a system we knew our microwave intimately because mm-hmm. you know every microwave is different you know some mm-hmm. of those wattages can yeah. vary but we did two minutes and 22 seconds on the the max wattage setting popped a grade every time you had a couple on pop kernels but there was nothing burnt and it uh, made great popcorn. Right. But the important part, the important thing is that you both knew your microwave. That's right. But you also have to know the brand because every brand changes yeah. too. And so Pop Secrets, different from Act, different from Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. Now, I was an uh, Orville, I was a, I was a Orville okay. kind of guy. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Now, did you have a bad experience recently? Um, I mean, just like literally, I just finished some popcorn <laughs> and there's all these kernels sitting in here because I, Typically, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in on microwave uh, yeah. companies. Hold on a second. Who? Uh, Hamilton Beach. Oh, Hamilton. You're on blast, Hamilton Beach. <laughs> Hamilton Ooh. Beach, yeah. Here's, okay, Hamilton Beach, this is for you. I think you're a bit of a coward. Oh, they're not a sponsor anymore, I'll tell you. If that. you're going to put a popcorn button, I know you're afraid of burning the popcorn. We all are. Mm. But if you're going to, pull it back so much that I only pop half my kernels, I would rather singe a few than be left with, oh, what do I do with these? I have That's to right. pour them in the garbage. That's right. Sing it. So have some, have some gumption. Have some, mm. uh, have some gall. Have some uh, self-confidence. Have some intestinal fortitude. That's right. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. And make that popcorn button, exactly, make that popcorn button button as it should be to pop most of the kernels. You know you need to add 15 seconds. You right. know you do. As God intended. Listen, the other thing is, I don't know if you've heard the, the stories, but supposedly microwave popcorn bags, like that lining inside, supposedly a little uh, toxic. But I, not yeah, that yeah, I want, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, you know. a little bit, a little bit. Everything in but, moderation is fine. By the way, Hamilton Beach, thanks for the cheap microwave. I probably bought it because your price point was excellent. So I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have been mean. I'm sorry. I think of Hamilton, Hamilton Beach. Hamilton Beach, come back. Come back. I'm so sorry. I think of Hamilton Beach as the canonical Walmart brand. Like if you go to Walmart. Oh, is that what that is? I think you, well, I don't think it's owned by Walmart, but I think if you go to Walmart, if you want to get the $30 microwave, it's a Hamilton Beach. Like, is somewhere out there, is there a Hamilton Beach? Like Beach Hamilton? Like like Beach, comma, Hamilton, Inc.? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not not, what you mean. Not the, not the man, the myth, the legend, oh. Mr. Hamilton Beach, Dr. Hamilton Beach. Uh, I'm referring to like an actual location. Like, oh, this is oh, the factories a- right, off the, right off the sand. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm doing a Google search right now. 
Okay, make that uh, happen. That's it. No, no, it's Hamilton Beach Brands, which I assume is. Oh, you know what? They're based in Miami. Right off Look the beach. Hmm. Interesting. A wise man built his factory upon the sand. Now that's a Bible verse. <laughs> Nate, we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Yep, absolutely. First of all, I want to compliment uh, your painting, as always. You're doing a new project, it looks like. Yep. A, uh, a Greek-Spanish steakhouse or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mediterranean yes, in nature. Uh, I'll put a link in that uh, in the show notes. Uh, it's looking great. Thank you. Uh, let me ask you this. I went to Publix the other day, the uh, supermarket of choice here in Florida, and uh, actually used the services of butcher the in-store butcher in the uh you know the guy behind the meat counter have you ever done that have you ever oh, worked man. with a butcher my communication with the butcher or the deli slicer is it feels like something that like grown-ups do and i don't feel like i'm there <laughs> yet i do it every once in a while but i'm always afraid they're going to ridicule me and be like you know you can't legally ask for a pound of roast beef we only sell it in a half pound how dare you so i'm worried about you know making some sort of error and being cast out i see even more so with steaks i guess right i was looking for ground pork for a recipe my wife was trying to do and in the meat section there was no such thing they had pork loin but no ground pork and you know, I was telling my wife, you know, they don't, they don't have it. And she said, well, just ask the butcher to grind it. Oh. I said, I said, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You can bring some of the packaged meat product that is in the, the cooling case, give it to the butcher, and he'll just do stuff with it. Like, can this you is- tell me what went through your mind at this moment? Because I feel like I would say to my lovely wife, no. <laughs> I, I was close, close to that. I mean, when I'm grocery shopping, it's eye of the tiger. I'm getting it done. I'm not talking to anybody. I, you, even, got, uh, you got air AirPods in? I got my AirPods in. in. I got my AirPods yep. in. I'm just rolling. And so to, to ask a question, you know, I expected the butcher just to be like, well, well, no, that's a sealed package. You know, I, I thought it was just going to be a, a stupid question. But I risked it. I said, okay, listen, I'm trying to be a good husband here. I will ask them to grind this pork. And I, I just asked him the, the question, and the, the butcher, he's like, uh, yeah, no problem. Nice. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. He takes the package that I gave him, he grinds it up, reseals it in plastic, and says, uh, here you go. Okay, so you've, you've opened up a door in the yes. hallway of life that I'm about to go into. Yes. Does this mean that I could go to the baker at my local grocery store? Hand them a a tube of cookie dough and say, <laughs> "I like it soft, soft cookies, please." I'll be back in ten minutes. <laughs> now you know what I did not extrapolate my experience to the bakery, but they got all the equipment there. I mean, they they call it a bakery. It's right you know, there. It's not a, a prepackaged uh, area of bread. It's you know they bake. <laughs> They bake stuff. Do you mind taking this turkey I just bought and throw that? In? I see you're doing those rotisserie chickens. That's right. You mind throw just it on there. skewer this one and stick it on? That, that's an excellent well, question. That is great. I'm yeah. glad you, you've discovered this because now I, I kind of want to try it myself. It was, it was a pretty incredible experience. And he was like, you know, this is what I do. He's the, he's the butcher. He he's does passionate. Stu- he does stuff with meat. You know, this is one of those things. This is a, a topic that comes up in my mind a lot is the idea of like expertise mm. that mm-hmm. you don't know how hard or easy something is. You don't even know what questions to ask until you know. Right. You know what I mean? And so to me, who's never cut a piece of meat in his life, which is not entirely true, I've cut a couple pieces of meat, you know, that, that request seems gargantuan. But uh, this guy, apparently he's been working there for uh, 16 years. We actually chatted for a second. Yeah, he's uh, no problem. It's just what he does. I was impressed. That's great. And did you tell him to listen to your podcast because you're about to give him a shout out? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to be too self-serving. You know, I was trying to. Got it. I was but next to time, be say, listen, uh, episode 33, movies on the side. That's right. Ha- have a listen. Now, now, if he's a Hamilton Beach rep as well, have well, him skip. 
the few minutes before this. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think he's uh he he didn't seem like the kind of guy that listened to podcast as he butchered meat, but but you never well, know. You have to keep your head on a swivel when you're handling mm, that's true. knives. How do you how do you feel you about when you go to a restaurant, a place that prepares food, and you know, you got people in hairnets, but then you have like guys with beards that have beard nets. How do you feel about that? I'm glad they have them. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel sorry for people that have to wear nets. Yes. But I know that it just becomes, I mean, like, it's just odd for me because I don't typically see people uh, having to net their hair up. <laughs> um, but I think if I worked at a place where if I had a beard, I would have to net my beard, mm. I might let the beard go. Yeah. And maybe uh, the top of my head, too. I mean, not that there's much hair left on the top of my head anyway. <laughs> well, but I think you may find me in full naked mole rat status. <laughs> well, it's like if you go play for the Yankees, you got to shave. You know what I mean? There's no beards on the Yankees. Right, right. No beards in the. Is that true? Yeah. Still? Uh, I know it was true. I don't follow baseball. Okay. Okay. Sports ball. <laughs> right. Sports ball. We are recording today on December 7th, 2018. Which is exactly 77 years after the attack on Pearl Harbor. It's the right. 70, 77th anniversary. We watched the 2001 movie, Pearl Harbor. It's a Michael Bay directed movie. Mm-hmm. Two lenses I see this through. This is my rose colored glasses era. Mm-hmm. And. The again the lens of time. I have not seen this in probably over ten years, like straight through. Got it. But I, when I was in high school, I had this movie on DVD, and it was watched often. So this movie stars Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, Kate Beckinsale, and there's actually a host of other people in here, like Cuba Gooding Jr., Jennifer Garner, Alec Baldwin, John Voight. Now I think we started this recently, so I'd like to to read this. I d- I don't know if this is the largest spread. Of any Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty large. It's a pretty large spread. 25% Rotten Tomato score from critics. 66% audience satisfaction. Right. Now, this is also a long movie. Three-hour movie. So, the first thing I want to say is, I had no idea the name Michael Bay when I saw this back when I was a teenager. I mean, I didn't didn't know directors or, or care or whatever. But... Looking at watching this movie today through the third lens of all the other Michael Bay movies that have happened since then, mm-hmm. like Transformers, mm-hmm. it is hard not to smell Michael Bay all over it. <laughs> it just, it really smells of Michael Bay. Well, what are your, what are you, what were your, have you ever seen this movie? Had you no, seen it? I have never seen this movie. So this was now. a, this was a cold viewing for you. Exactly. It's okay. So here's my, my opening salvo. Yes. One, the historical nature and just the attack on Pearl Harbor, extremely sad, extremely like serious. When I was watching this movie, when I had moments of thinking like, wow, like what would it be like to live during this time and, you know, to be here during this attack mm-hmm. and like, the the nightmare the hellscape that it becomes all of a sudden right super serious super sad i don't know if there's anyone i mean i think we're running out of uh people that are still alive who survived uh right. that attack right so i want to honor those who were a part of it and say like hey especially on the day we remember this this was really really bad yes when we review this movie I'm going to speak about the merits of this movie, and I hope to sort of disconnect it from the event. Is that possible? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, and so I, I had to watch this over three nights because it's three hours. And so I watched an hour every night. And, and doing that was kind of an interesting experience because the first hour, it's a very distinct tone mm-hmm. and kind of movie. It is basically a romance movie. Mm-hmm. Hour two basically feels like a war movie, mm-hmm. action movie, and I want to get to that second. Please that- tell me what hour three feels like because I <laughs> I've actually named these three acts in my notes. 
Did you? Okay. The third act feels, I mean, kind of tacked on. (laughs) And also like, so Alec Baldwin's like at the beginning of this movie. You know, we have the opening scene. We have the two kids. Honestly, I was fine with the opening. You know, we get introduced to these kids. We see the dynamics, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, all that. Fine. And we see them growing up and Alec Baldwin's the captain. I kind of like Alec Baldwin's character, especially at the beginning. After two years of training, you believe that a $45,000 airplane is there for your amusement? No, sir. I was just trying to keep my edge, Major. And when you did the outside loop last week, what did you think that was? Honing your skills? That's not training, Macaulay. That's a stunt. Yep. Like, it's kind of, that's kind of cool. And then he disappears for two and a half yep. hours. Exactly. And I feel like maybe that third act was just to make sure that Alec Baldwin does the movie so he that gets some is- screen time. It is amazing you have said this. We are in lockstep because okay. I named it Get the Most Out of Baldwin. <laughs> is that the third act? Yeah, that's the third act for okay. me. The, <laughs> okay. the first act. Yes. Okay, so this movie by like act one, the first hour, is like a wannabe Casablanca steam fest. There is so mm. much smoke and steam and like, yeah. I feels like... Look, it's a period romance. Oh, it's like, oh, look, they're going to the movies. Oh, this is like, mm-hmm. this is the 40s. And I felt like that it was kind of shot that way. There were times where like the light was glowing on Kate Beckinsale's face, kind of like an old, yeah. like, you yeah. know, Catherine Hepburn sort of gl- right. glowy eye. I was like, oh, okay. I see what we're doing here. I liked the first act, actually. Yeah. I think for the most part, the first act kind of helped. There were some parts, like, apparently the reviews that i i read people didn't like the the champagne cork hitting his nose that oh. was the one part of the movie i died laughing yeah I as actually, i watched this movie at 11 p.m in bed <laughs> i i watched this my wife joined me for this movie and honestly the first act the whole hot like the the examination nurses scene mm-hmm. when you know kate beckinsale like sticks ben affleck twice with the thing and he passes out and the cork hitting his nose like we actually laughed and it was actually kind of fun to watch it together well it's kind of like this Ah! well he was getting fresh so i poked him again (laughs) all right romeo i want to get this over with yeah it was it was a fun scene that that whole section okay so that's act one Act one comes to a close, sort of the way Sound of the Music after Do, Re, Mi. It's like, mm-hmm. and now it's Nazi time. Except this time, <laughs> it's like, and now it's Japanese attack time. And this, I feel like, is all that might, like, Michael Bay, like, walks into the room like, let's do this. He, like, cracks his knuckles. Right, like, it is time. Let me tell you something. Michael Bay, for a couple of these, <laughs> like, actual practical effects, he used... <laughs> On a couple of these explosions, 700 sticks of dynamite, 2,000 feet of cord, 4,000 gallons of gasoline, six 600-foot ship explosions. They took a month and a half to rig up. 500 individual bombs on each boat. Real planes flying past. Like, you can almost hear the giggling of Michael Bay. (laughs) Okay, hold on. on. (laughs) Before we get to that. Okay, just real quick. I want to I want to mention and then ask you a question. I liked the introduction of these characters. Mm. I actually like Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett, but then his they're like retinue. You have Red who stutters. You have uh whatever Bugsy, the guy who like puts the oil on his eyes to look like he's crying. Right. Like I I felt like each character had a shtick. Or like creepy Michael Shannon. I don't know what his role yeah, was. Yeah, right. Creepy guy. But I felt like they were actually characters, and and the nurses too, like Jennifer Garner, um, Beth, Betty. Okay, okay, hold on a second. Let's yeah. go to Jennifer Garner for just a second because it took me about a little bit to figure out. Oh, that's Jennifer Garner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I she she was wasted in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. I did agree. she do anything? She wasn't a part of anything. She had that but, one moment during the triage where she kind of like. Had right. a hard time, as anyone yeah. would. Right. But that was like her, other than that, she kind of just didn't talk. She was kind of wasted. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. <clears throat> but let me, let me ask you, as far as the first act is concerned, romance corner, two romances. What did you think about 
Kate Beckinsale, and Ben Affleck prior to him going off to Britain. How would you rate their okay. their roommate? The, the great, great question. I actually had to look through a lot of Ben Affleck's filmography to see, have you ever been in a romance that I've enjoyed watching? <laughs> the answer is very, very, very few. Yeah. Um, but I found them fine and believable. I chuckled with them. I liked their romance best when he was kind of like goofy. It kind of felt yeah, like, yeah. have you ever seen the movie Hitch? Will oh, Smith? yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he's supposed to be kind of a cool, suave guy, but in front of the girl he really likes, he just, like, keeps messing up. Right. I find that a charming premise. Yeah. So I think, and and the idea of him being, like, leaving for war and, like, having the option to, like, hey, we can go up to your hotel room, mm-hmm. but him saying, like, no, I don't want it like this. I want to, like, wait for you, and I don't want to just yeah. have, like, a one-night thing with you. Yeah. I thought that was very compelling and i think that was the height of the romance in this movie which yep. i think is also a, a critique of this movie like that was the, as good as it got for me after that it was yeah. all downhill yeah yeah i agree I, the, the scene though where they're like in the little boat and they take the the pulley up the side of the ship i thought that was a nice moment him and kate beckinsale before the the hotel scene you know what right. I mean? right right yeah. exactly so did you like it in that first act, yes, I believed it. It felt like it was done well. I don't like his accent in this movie, which was going to be right, my next question. Right? I think his accent fluctuated and then took yes. me out of several scenes. You know, Evelyn, loving you kept me alive. Sometimes he's like down home country, Nebraska, and other times he's like, nope, that's just yeah, he's Bo- Boston. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about the one other romantic relationship, Red and Betty. <sighs> I didn't really care about them, to be honest. I thought yeah. it was cute. Yeah. I thought her death was maybe one of the most sad. Yeah. Yeah. Of him losing her. But other than that, it was sort of, yeah, a fun little B plot that I didn't really care about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's let's talk about okay. Let's stay on this and let's talk uh-huh. the romance for the whole movie. Okay, kind of stretch throughout. We can go and I'd like to talk about the actual like act two and three of the real stuff. But let's talk this yes. romance all the way through. Uh huh. Did you believe in Kate Beckinsale and Josh Hartnett? No, there. I didn't. No, 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 no. I didn't buy it. I felt like I went back and I tried to see. Josh Hartnett has not done a lot of stuff after this movie. I felt like overall he was kind of weak in this movie, especially when the burden of acting goes to him instead of Ben Affleck. Can you imagine? I I would have loved to see Matt Damon in there instead. (sighs) You know what? That. That's who they wanted. They wanted Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? Originally for this movie. See, now I think, honestly, Kate, Kate Beckinsale, like, so when Ben Affleck comes back from the dead, basically, I feel like Kate, Kate Beckinsale does some good face acting, and I, I, th- I feel I feel her push and pull a little bit. Yeah, the script is pretty weak, but yeah, she does have like the "Are you a ghost?" sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe it to a point. Okay, so okay, spoilers for the rest of this movie. <laughs> yes. Turns out she's also pregnant with Josh Hartnett's baby. Right. When Ben Affleck comes back, so she's a little conflicted. That escalated she says, quickly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. One night in the parachute tent or whatever. Yeah. The hangar. Uh, yeah. Um, but she she says this line to Ben Affleck like, "Danny has my whole heart, but I'll never look at a sunset and not think of you." Yeah. <laughs> and the way that Ben Affleck, I okay, I don't like the love triangle in this movie. I don't yeah. like it at all. I don't find it compelling. They talk about her the, as friends as if they're about to like split custody of Kate Beckinsale. And it's like, <laughs> we both love the same woman. I'll take her weekends and then every Wednesday yeah. and Friday. And it's just like. It feels weird. Yeah. And it's weird. She doesn't tell Josh Hartnett she's having a baby so he can go off to war. Right. And then at the end, Ben Affleck says to Josh Hartnett, you're going to be a dad. And Josh Hartnett looks at him with his final breath and says, no, you are. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> I know. And then, jumping to the very, very end, you know, Ben Affleck comes back. Josh Hartnett's in the coffin. Kay Beckinsale, like, cries on Ben Affleck's shoulder. That feels a little weird. Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like she got over Josh Hartnett a little too quickly. Yeah. Her reaction to seeing that he didn't make it was a very subdued, like, yeah. And, like, oh, and then we cut, and then we cut together. We cut to Kate Beckinsale and Ben Affleck in a field with their like two year old son, Mini Josh, right? Yeah, which I don't know why, but that kid looks so much like Josh Hartnett. <laughs> like, I think that's the plan. I think that's yeah, the, I the point there, right? But it 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 feels too quick from Josh Hartnett just died, and now Kate Beckinsale and Ben Affleck are are lovey dovey in a field with this two year old son who's not theirs. Like it feels it felt weird as an ending, right? It's got to be hard for for Kate Beckinsale's character to. She thinks she loses Ben Affleck that he died. Then she actually does lose the the second guy she loves, and she yeah. has to go back to the first guy. Very confusing. There's a lot of romance in this movie. That's part of it. But I would like to talk about Act Two. Which what was your name for Act Two? Bayland. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome Bayland. to Michael Bay World. You got Hamilton Beach. And then you got Bayland. They're right next to each other. Right next to each other. It's like Parks of Great Disney. Great corn dogs, though. <laughs> okay. So two things before we... Because I want to talk about a lot of the parts of this scene. When this scene starts like ramping up, and we have all these cut scenes of the Japanese planes just like quietly flying over the island, that, it's an intense few minutes. And... You know, they're, it they're, is done so well. It it like, really is. There's there a scene. Is, there is ten minutes of this movie. Yes, that is excellent. Yes, this whole the Japanese planes. You see them coming out of the clouds over the island. There's a scene of that kid that throws a baseball and looks up and sees the plane. One thousand percent a Michael Bay like camera angle, whatever. But in this scene, it works like so well, mm-hmm. and you just feel it. And there even has that. Japanese guy like trying to tell the kids to like go or like leave you know like almost trying to signal to them like right you know, something bad's about to happen and like the radio signals finally coming in peace talks are over which Dan Aykroyd another guy that I forgot was in this movie <laughs> but I actually like him as the code decipherer. Oh, he's great yeah he's, he's great in this movie like that that 10 minutes is really good and even up until the point where I, I looked it up this movie won an Oscar for sound editing. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for a bunch, but it won for sound editing and a Golden Globe for best score, which I did feel like at the time the score was good. Hans Zimmer. Zimmer, of course. But when that first bomb gets released from the plane and you hear the little fan yep. on the back of the bomb going and that shot of it dropping all the way down to the ship. Yep. Pretty incredible. Like, again, that's part of those 10 minutes that are just really amazing. Really, really good. Like, the, the camera shot following, like, a torpedo as it goes into the water. Yes. And then yes. takes off into it. Yeah. yeah, there are some, like, great shots. Like, and then later after things have kind of exploded, um, a bunch of guys treading water and you see their shots from down below yes. as like, a torpedo yes. like, f- goes underneath them. Yes. It's it's incredible. I I love Cuba Gooding Jr. in these oh, few minutes too. My note says more Cuba Gooding Jr. in this like, movie. I, yeah, I, I like wish total. he was a bigger role. I, I do too. I love the, the boxing scene. And I do <laughs> there was one funny line where uh I don't know if it's Josh Hartnett or Ben Affleck is there with Goose, the guy that plays the character Goose, mm-hmm. and they're betting. And I think it's I think it's Josh Harden where he's like I'll put money on on the cook. And Goose is like, "Why you don't like money?" <laughs> I was like, I laughed at that. I chuckled. <laughs> but but Cuba Gooding Jr. when it when it starts happening, he finds the captain, and the captain's like dying, barking orders, and Cuba Gooding Jr. is just like, "I got you, Captain. You ready to operate? Initiate damage control. Find my exo. Tell him to assume command, and you make sure the gunner's everyone's where they need to." Trained us well. You trained us well. 
It's like, oh my goodness. Like, yes, that is what I would want to hear as a captain, I would right. think, in my final moments. And when he get when Cuba Gooding Jr. gets on that machine gun, I think the first 10 mo- times I saw this movie, I cried. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, it's such a powerful image. Knowing he was the cook, wanted to aspire to more. Right. And now, like, had his moment. He incredible. He, he, I think, is really supposed to be the aspirational proxy for us as viewers mm-hmm. because he's the one who's in the middle of it. And we all like to think that in the time, like, we would rise above our station and, right. like, be like, all right, I'm going to fill in here. And yeah, when he jumps on that gun and, like, starts going at it, it is yeah. really like, again, I wish there was more Cuba Gooding Jr. in this movie. <laughs> yes. We want to be him and not the guy holding the toothbrush shaking <laughs> in that little hatch. I don't know if you saw right. that guy, but yeah, right. he's pretty funny. Yeah. So this this whole I mean it's about forty five minutes of That's a lot. It's carnage, just sheer carnage. I feel like maybe this does a good job of showing the viewer or helping us feel what it might have felt like because and I don't honestly it feels so sudden because you have a whole first act of just romance movie zero violence zero bloodshed almost and now all of a sudden we just see people blown up after being blown up blood blood I love the juxtaposition between like it was like a Hawaii vacation for a lot of people they're there like relaxing going to movies and then all of a sudden it's a nightmare and yeah. that that kind of change of pace all of a sudden, I thought was really effective because it really captured it the like, this was just a normal Sunday, like that captain guy was playing golf. Right, right. And he and that I love that captain guy because like he said several times throughout the movie, he's like, oh, you want to pull more ships out of here? Oh, you don't think anything's ever going to happen here? Whatever right. you guys say. Thanks, Washington. And then he's the one, he gets the, the note at the end attack of the attack. Attack is imminent. Yeah, attack is right. imminent. He's like, Washington's only an hour late. It's like, whew, man, scathing. Right. But the, um, what was I just going to say? The, um, the best juxt- juxtaposition, I think, like you were just saying, is the hospital where all the nurses are. You know, there's like the one guy that has a sunburn right. earlier in the movie. And then once it starts happening, like, again, sheer. The lipstick triage was, oh, uh, was maybe the second, like after Michael Bay's 15 minutes of like money shots. Right, right. That the the lipstick triage scene was very powerful. I yes. Thought. Yes. And even and again, like when Betty is seen dead and like that little interaction between Jennifer Garner and Kate Beckinsale and they're right. like you know, Kate Beckinsale is like she realizes like we have a job to do right now. We can't like, stop right now. Which feels like it would be very much what happens in like right. what you have to do in that kind of situation. So but, l- talking a little bit about the 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 Japanese in this movie, yes. the uh, in the trivia section, I heard that there was some backlash to from I think Japanese historians basically, and like there was no attack on a hospital during Pearl Harbor. Mm. Like apparently, they were very clear, like in their bombing raids, to not bomb just like merely civilian buildings. So the idea, and Michael Bay said, like, no, I put that in there to make it even more dramatic sort of thing. That's tough. That's tough when but, you're, when you're doing, making a movie about such a historically studied and, like, recalled event. Right. Because there's that one scene, too, in the airstrip when there's a bunch of, you know, soldiers running down, basically in a straight line, and, like, this Japanese plane just mows them all down right. in a row. Like, that, that felt a little unlike what would have actually happened. But I don't know. Yeah, that is. Uh, it's this. I'm not sure what the movie actually wanted. What Michael Bay wanted in here, I would have liked to see more, um, more humanizing of the uh, the Japanese pilots. I thought they did a good job with like that general, like the one general. Yeah, I guess I like him. the one guy who had a face and he kind of talked every once in a while and gave his thoughts. But yeah. he was such an exposition machine. I felt like yeah. he was just there to tell us like, all right, we're, we're almost there sort of thing. Or like, we're about to do this. I would have liked to see, they showed like these pilots, you know, I would have liked to see, you know, if one of them crash landed, like a bit of humanizing aspect to like, Hey, 
they viewed that they were at war too, just like how when yeah. they did the bombing run of Tokyo at the end. Like we, this is the part of war. We get the one scene where I think it's like a voiceover of a Japanese guy writing a letter to his parents or something, talking right. about how you know I'll be proud or whatever. And it, I did like there was a line where the general had he suggested something, and the other guy was like, "That's brilliant," and he was like, "A brilliant man would figure it out without fighting a war." I was like, "Okay, I, right." I appreciate that line. But the one other thing, and then I want to <laughs> ask you about the two two guys flying their planes. But the um, there's a one scene towards the end where they're trying to cut open the hull of the ship, and you see the hands reaching out. Oh man, that that was tough. Like I okay. Ah. <sighs> Okay, this sounds really bad. But while watching that scene, all I thought to myself was like, just stick some straws in that hole so they can breathe. Yeah, I I literally thought that too. Like, can, can no Put a pipe tube down there or like snorkel? I don't know. I don't, yeah, yeah, that was. But I'm also, I mean, stuff that that probably happened. Like that's yeah, that's, that, that yeah. was intense. That was intense. Again, the, that intensity holding <laughs> the hand of someone who's like drowning. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, that was intense. Now, how did you feel? Rafe and Danny, <laughs> how did their scene flying fit into that? It didn't. Like, right. I don't, that's the part is that, like, part one establishes this Pearl Harbor and, like, a, establishes the setting well and a romance. But when it switches, just like how people no longer cared about, uh, you know, like day to day things because of this tragedy, as a viewer, I no longer cared about. Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett. Right. Like, right. I, they were just, I saw a bunch of guys that were like, were trying to do their best. And I think, yeah. like, I didn't care about them flying planes after that and them like shooting down a couple pilots here and there. I know that it's supposed to be like them flying in Han Solo style, like, all right, right. we're here. Right. But, yeah, because even la- even later, Alec Baldwin says like, "You guys are getting the the silver star. You shot down seven planes," and it's like, I, "Yeah, I mean that's significant, I guess." But also, huh? <laughs> like, it seemed like right. there was a lot of deaths. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I would. Yeah, it it just felt it was a strange. It was a strange thing with them. Yeah, like all right, get me to a plane. I did like the uh, <laughs> what's the name Earl. Who like runs that airstrip? Yeah, and like, like, oh, we need to get some guns in that tower. Like, I, I right. was, I kind of like shoots shotgun blast up into the <laughs> sky when the planes go past, and that's all you got to do. I think that uh, that takes it down. Okay, so let's move to to Act Three. Yes, uh, I'm getting now. Think about this. It's twelve thirty at night, almost one a.m. I'm watching this movie on low volume <laughs> as my wife sleeps. And I'm what, thinking, like, yeah. please, why is this movie not over? <laughs> what was the name for your three acts again? I know you got Bayland in the middle, but you got... Uh, Wannabe Casablanca was the first. Oh, I see. And then your third act is... <laughs> get the most out of Baldwin. Oh, get the, get the most out of Baldwin. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So, I, I'll i be honest. I skipped ahead about 30 seconds at a time every once in a while. <laughs> Because when they were when they were like they were dropping like moving to dropping weight on these new planes taking off, it's all very like historically interesting, but not interesting in the realm of this movie. Yeah, like if you were going to turn this into an eight part like docu series, right, right, I'm in. But this is supposed to be some sort of dramatic arc, and right now it's like. I honestly think the second act of this movie could have been in a title on the screen that says, then Captain Doolittle like, took these two to right. do a run and bomb Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. I and, and Americans believe they could start winning. So I, the one part of Act 3 that I, I was glad to see was the, the FDR scenes. You know, he had, he had his speech after the attacks happened. Mm-hmm. That was good. When he gets handed the papers after the attack happened mm-hmm. and, and you see the papers like drop to the floor, I thought that was effective. And then there's the scene when they tell him like it can't be done and he stands up on his own. Like, 
I liked that moment. I don't know. I could have done without. Like I could have done without FDR in this movie. I could have done without John Voight in here. He was fine. Apparently, he's a big like FDR like fan. Oh, and I see. Really like he really begged Michael Bay like let me be in this movie. But every time they jumped back to Washington, I kept thinking like, yeah, in some areas like this is important historically. But is this movie about romance and kind of a small scale slash like the day or is it about a bigger historical context? Yeah. And I don't think the movie could decide which one it wanted. Mm. It tried to have both. Yeah. I will say when, when they're on the aircraft carrier headed to Japan and Alec Baldwin has like a couple mini speeches with Ben Affleck and Josh out of Baldwin. <laughs> they were not good lines like alec baldwin can deliver a line you know coffee is for closers you know I, you know he can deliver a line but then like he has this one line that i think it was supposed to be like the super dramatic moment of that third act where he tells ben affleck and josh hartnett it'll only be a pinprick but it'll be straight through their hearts victory belongs to those that believe in it the most believe in it the longest we're gonna believe I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Right. I don't know about that. And it, it doesn't sound inspiring. It, I mean, it really does. Peter, this movie peters out. Like, yeah, yeah, it does. It didn't like, it didn't capture this, this whole run, which was filmed over Gary, Indiana, because oh. apparently 1942 Tokyo looks a lot like Gary, Indiana. So, like, I recognized <laughs> okay. it because I drive past Gary, Indiana a lot. Oh, right. Going from Chicago to South Bend to see my in laws. Um, <laughs> and they do the bombing run and they, they crash, and there was like, you know, more attacks and shooting among the Japanese soldiers. I, I didn't like it, all felt like it was just kind of coming undone. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be like still be epic, but I maybe I'm still reeling from like the Pearl Harbor attack. And right. part of me is like, are you gonna create? I was afraid they were gonna become prisoners of war. Like I thought, are we gonna have 20 minutes of them, like full on unbroken, <laughs> you know, captured in an internment camp? Yeah, I mean it, it could have happened. I mean the way the movie was going, hey, and I I forgot they like strapped Josh Hartnett to like a yoke. And we're like literally tying him up to take away. Like I forgot about those moments, and it felt like, oh, I don't. It's too much. Like it's too much. <laughs> we're done. And then the the voiceover that Kate Beckinsale has at the end. Mm-hmm. I just wrote meh. Like I don't, I don't think it did anything. And it after the and, war, the vampires rise <laughs> from the dead. And we and this is an underworld prequel. Did you know that? I didn't know. No, I didn't know that. I I feel like like we said though. Like, just give me text on a black background. Uh, just you know, give me the facts and let it let it be there. But that voiceover and then seeing again Ben Affleck and Kate Beckinsale with their two year old illegitimate son. Like it was kind of weird. It felt weird. The yeah, it really like I think once it's about the attack on Pearl Harbor and like the depth of that and the carnage there, it's hard to jump back to the romance that, that I thought was cute in peacetime. And I thought it was funny, but I never believed in it enough to think like you are war surviving kind of warm romance. Like you are lifetime sort of thing. And to try to piece it together with like, and now you're up crop dusting, riding a crop duster (laughs) with your, with your little kid. Yeah. Michael Bay, as far as the human characters in there, I experienced a little bit of uncanny valley of the of the reality of the people. Like yeah. there were just different lines and different relationships and even the romance. The romance felt like you know, like all right, it has all the ingredients, but you didn't mix them up. So every once in a while I'll get like a chunk of flour or a chunk of sugar or <laughs> butter, and it's like I, I, Michael Bay, you have the ingredients, but it, it felt like a little bit like a, an alien trying to make a human movie <laughs> and just like really good at the explosions. But there was just something in the, hu- I mean, I guess that's why reviews wise, this movie was just 
skewered. Yeah. Well, before we rate this movie, I said I was going to ask you a question. What character in this movie would be you if you were in this movie? I watched the whole movie because you asked me this before I watched it. So I, I kept my eyes out for it. Yes. I still don't have a great answer for this. <laughs> like, That's fun. I would say maybe the closest to like what I felt like was the captain guy who was basically suspicious of the security of Pearl Harbor, but yeah. was kind of around and was a little bit like shaking his head afterwards in sort of a sad way. I feel like he really grasped the gravity of it. At times, I felt a little Josh Hartnetty during his... <laughs> kind of awkwardness oh I see. but yeah i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with that captain guy side character i don't know i don't have a great answer for it yeah i would want to be cuba gooding jr in this movie oh we all would Absolutely. we all would want, we all would want to be him i feel like i might be the dan Aykroyd character <laughs> where i know something bad is gonna happen i don't have explicit data to tell you why but you should probably listen. <laughs> I watched this movie and thought, ah, Steven could play that Dan Aykroyd character really well. <laughs> if I had to cast you in this movie. Yeah, I would, I would do it. I, thought, I, yeah, I loved his role in it. I thought it was great. I'm curious, because this was your first viewing of this movie, how you would rate it on a scale from zero to five red lipsticks. Mm-hmm. Like in that trauma bay, mm-hmm. Kate Hill mm-hmm. writing M for morphine. How would you rate this movie, Nate? I'm going to give this movie two out of five uh-huh. lipsticks. This is a bloated, bloated <laughs> three-hour movie. <laughs> it, I like. There are ten, fifteen minutes. Okay, no, I'll be generous. There's twenty-five minutes. Of good footage in here. Yeah. Good footage of like the practical effects, the amount of explosions are truly like, wow. And there are some moments that I chuckled and some fun characters in it. But I will not watch this movie again. <laughs> I just won't. There's just, there's, there's too much to do in this world. <laughs> so it's that's why long. it gets, it gets two out of five. It is far too long. I really wish it could be reshot and maybe re-edited down to like a two-hour movie. I could potentially watch that movie again, but as it stands, yeah, not great. <laughs> okay. I remember as a teenager, whenever I would re-watch the movie, I would start it right as the Japanese planes were flying over. You skipped Hawaii. Act 1, you heartless yeah. Michael Bay fan. <laughs> As, as a teenager, that's all I would do. I would just watch that scene, and then I think I would make it through to the end. But but yeah, I would just skip the first act. I feel like if I was just rating act two, I would give it a three-something, mm-hmm. because, because I, I, it's sure. compelling at times. But as a whole, yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it two and a quarter red lipsticks. Just just a hair more. Okay. Like one one line of an M from Morphine. <laughs> two two lipsticks and a line. Got it. Because I it you know, I did chuckle a couple times in that first act and the second act is compelling. But yeah, three three hours is, is too long for this movie. I would have loved to have seen it without Ben Affleck having an accent. And, and with Matt Damon. And with Matt Damon. And maybe without a baby involved. Yeah, in that, the mix. That, it really it was like an added complication that there's already enough emotional turmoil and investment, you know. Can like, I give you a quick pitch as to what the biggest thing I'd change about this movie if I were to just like rewrite this movie? Yes. I would make it I found it very interesting that Ben Affleck goes off to war. He thinks that he's the one in danger and uh, that Pearl Harbor people are the safe ones. And I find it interesting. Like, no, like we all know that they're going to the one that's about to be attacked. Right. I would have liked to see Ben Affleck be fine over there, survive it just fine. But then, ben, but then Pearl Harbor attack happens. And he doesn't know if Kate Beckinsale and Josh Beckett, Beckett? Harknett? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was like, wait, what is his last name? Um, if he doesn't know they're alive. So after the attack, he flies in like, and right, tries right. to like discover them in the wreckage and make sure they're okay. Hmm. And he has to like come upon this, or maybe he flies in like after the attack sort of thing. Right, right, right. And discovers them. I would have liked that, and they were never assuming that he was dead, and she had just moved on with his best friend and not a little yeah. bit more... A little more drama there. They just grew apart while he was in right England. I could I could see that, and then you could again like when FDR makes the speech after the attacks. That's pretty close to a closing of a movie. Yeah. You oh, know, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't. I think you could have done a you could have done a, a a title block at the end that said yeah. or a you know, text block at the end. Yeah, and that'd be it. We all know how World War Two ended, so that is true. Oh, I I was gonna <laughs> one final thing. I wasn't sure whether to do one zero to five red lipsticks or zero to five. I don't know if you saw this, but one of the scenes where John Voigt is at his desk, there is a Hitler bent over whose butt is made into a pincushion. No. And there's literally a Hitler pincushion thing on his desk. All right. Well, we have another, we have a big top five to try and get through. Top five war movies have you seen a lot of war movies no i discovered while looking at these movies other than horror movies this might be my biggest gap really he's not a fan yeah i guess not i a lot of these movies i tell myself oh i i need to watch that and then i don't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i never get to them because when i'm sitting at home you're like what movie do i want to watch tonight i don't typically be like all right i'm gonna dig into dunkirk now (laughs) <laughs> well, well, and yeah. Do you have any honorable no, mentions? No, I have quite a few honorable mentions. Actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, there have just been a lot of war movies in this world. That is true. Um, honorable mentions include Imitation Game, Darkest huh? Hour, 300, and Kingdom of Heaven. 300? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's a war movie. I didn't think about that. Yep. Okay. Well, I I guess I I struck I stuck to strictly um, wars that happened after 1900. Oh, <laughs> oh, and did you also stick to wars that happened between humans? <laughs> dun, yeah. dun, 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 yeah. dun, yes, dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. Yes, yes, I did. Just uh, just Perfect. human wars. Okay. Those would be, I be did not. interesting top five then. Well, I'm going to put two of my honorable mentions. One, because, I mean, it's it's just the canonical World War II movie. I'm going to put Saving Private Ryan in my honorable mentions, because it's a great movie, and I, already, I think I already put it in a top five before. Yeah, I think we've discussed this before. Yeah, so I'm going to put that, it's an amazing war movie, but I'm going to stick it in my honorable mentions. And I'm putting Dunkirk in my honorable mentions, because it was a beautifully shot film. And is very compelling, but I wouldn't say like I I would be eager to watch it again and again. Got it. You know, it's not a, yeah. So anyway, Dunkirk, honorable mention. Someday I'll get around to viewing it because I love Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, I mean, it is. And it's it's a great movie. Watch it at least one. All right. I think I'm going first. Yes. Go ahead. Here we go. I feel like you're the expert at this top five and my top five is just... Probably nothing compared to yours. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Number five for me is Return of the King. Nate. Oh, my word. A Lord of the Rings movie with a giant battle that really brought CGI into its own. There are giant elephants. There's a ghost army. There are a bunch of trolls. And uh, is that Minas Tirith that's being invaded? Yeah. Yeah, it's Minas Tirith. It's it's a war for all of Middle-earth, so... I'd say it's pretty warful. Okay. I know you dislike it, but I also know you can't argue with my logic. No, no, no. So. If you put, uh, let me just say, if you put Star Wars anywhere in your top five, show's over. <laughs> it's got the name War right in it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, my number five, the Bruce Willis actual uh, warish movie, is Tears of the Sun. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Nope, I have not. Heard of uh, it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, you know, Bruce Willis. He's actually doing stuff. 
unlike in a G.I. Joe. My number four, a movie that would probably actually fit in your category, Behind Enemy Lines. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I believe that's Owen Wilson in that yep. one. I think that's the one where he hides under like a pile of dead bodies to like avoid yes. the scan. Yep. That is gruesome, but super compelling. Yes, that and then the final scene that's on like that icy lake or something. Yes. You gotta, yeah, that's a good final scene. Uh, and the reason why is because it's also my number four. Nice. Behind Enemy Lines, absolutely. It was a great movie. I enjoyed it. All right. So there you go. My number three is Enemy at the Gates. Oh, yes, yes. Jude Law, I believe, a sniper, very grungy. I believe Jude Law plays a Russian sniper maybe i believe so yeah um i only ever saw it once so but i think it was good if i remember correctly it it had an impact on me and sort of it's like wow this is not it's very not glamorized uh look into war yeah yeah no it's good good choice well my number three is black hawk down josh hardnett yes yes but uh, he actually does pretty well in this movie, I thought. And uh, yeah, there's a scene where... Have you ever seen it? I have. I don't yeah. remember much about it. There's the one scene where the, like, the one soldier, he's just got his pistol, and he's kind of sitting there hiding in a corner, and the you know, enemies finally find him, and he's just trying to pick him off one way. It's, it's an intense scene, but yeah, I, I remember enjoying it. My number two is The Patriot. Yeah, okay. A little older of a war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what else much to say about it. I it's thought cool. about including it. Yeah, I thought about including it too. I liked the Patriot. That was a uh, I really like the disgruntled the, the the guy who doesn't really want to be in the war but is so like so skilled and so good at it yeah. that it's like oh like you got dragged into it because you like you know, took away. It's sort of like Mark Wahlberg and I think in Shooter. It's like, yeah. oh, you've gone and like killed the dog of John Wick, and now like now yeah. the enemy will pay. Yeah, and I think I was gonna put that in there, and that so that fateful Christmas when I got my first DVD player, I got it with four movies, four DVDs. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Two. Mm-hmm. Gladiator. Love it. The Patriot. Mm-hmm. And the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Those are my first four mm. DVD movies. I still remember. Not bad. Not yeah. a bad collection no. to start. No, it was good. All right. Well, my number two is the pianist. You ever <laughs> seen that movie? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yes, the pianist. Uh, right. Accent <laughs> on the e, not the a. Eh. Exactly. Anyway. It's uh, it's an incredible movie, compelling. Um, what's his name? Adrian Brody, you know, as the pianist. I've never seen it. Pretty, pretty amazing movie. Okay. So anyway, yeah, it's my number two. My number one that you're not going to enjoy yep. that I put here is Troy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I've listed it as number one of a different list, but I don't even care. <laughs> The, the, it's my type of war movie that's got like a little bit more hero-y mythology like the the gritty war movies when they're done really well make me feel I think as I'm supposed to which is like oh man war is terrible but I don't necessarily like that at the end of the movies that I watch mm. And uh, this epic, these movies on my list, other than maybe End Me at the Gates, don't drive me into a, oh man, melancholy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very different from my number one, (laughs) because my number one does exactly that. And it might have been because it's one of the more recent ones in my mind. I've seen it just a few months ago, I think. But Hacksaw Ridge. Have you seen this movie? I have not, but it's a guy that doesn't fight. He's a pacifist, so he carries guys out, right? Yes, it is based on the true story. It is with Andrew Garfield, which I, I 
not a huge fan in other stuff he does, especially a Spider-Man. But mm-hmm. this this movie it does so much well, and um, the way it depicts the the battle scenes, similar feeling to the second act of Pearl Harbor, where you just really feel the gravitas of the this terribleness that these people are in, but also the the hero story of the main character. Uh, I definitely cried a bunch of times. Like it's it's so compelling and okay. it's just incre- incredible. It's yeah, I, I have actually been like seriously meaning to watch this. I think I actually will watch Hacksaw. It is very good. I did watch it with Vid Angel. Just prefacing. Okay. I think I think it's mostly language that it um it cut out. But anyway, it it really is excellent. Based on a true story too. So, all right. Well, there we are. That was a marathon of an episode for a marathon of a movie. Is a long episode brought to you by Hamilton Beach. Thank you for having us. I keep every time Duke's Mayonnaise tweets, I retweet it, and I at mention them with some comment, <laughs> hoping that one day they take notice. You know, listeners, if we could just get an, an army of people tweeting at Duke's Mayonnaise, the link to our Infinity War episode where Nate talks about uh, mayonnaise on a hot dog, I think if enough people do it, we might get uh, some notice. But maybe not the kind of notice we want. Mm. We get blocked by Dukes. But other than that, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <clears throat> Listeners, we'd love to know what you thought about Pearl Harbor. Maybe your, your top war movies. Maybe a war movie suggestion for the future of Movies on the Side. But you can tweet and Instagram us at Movies on the Side. You can go to MoviesOnTheSide.com and find all the links there. And we would, again, appreciate if you could do a five-star rating in the iTunes store or Apple Podcasts. I don't want to share like specific numbers on the air, but we reached a milestone uh, the other day for downloads in a month. I'm pretty excited. I think uh, we have a faithful listener uh, group. Ship. We, yep. We had a, a couple five-star ratings. Uh, one uh, made a wise crack about how often I wash my sheets, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll take the five stars. You can say whatever you want. Absolutely. And uh, you, know, I, you know, since we may have a new listener today, if you enjoyed today's show or if you're a long-time listener and have not rated us in the iTunes store, we ask you to give us five stars, not because we're Apple fanboys. It's not the case. What happens is the iTunes store rating system actually matters even if someone doesn't use iTunes to listen to podcasts. So even if someone searches the Spotify database or if they search in some other podcast app like Pocket Casts, the iTunes ratings actually helps us come up in search results uh, the higher we're ranked. So that's why we ask you to do it. So if you don't mind, uh, give us five stars and tell us who you would like to see as the next James Bond. Or if you had to choose between Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett, who would you choose? <laughs> that's perfect. Well done, Stephen. Stephen, I have a game for you that I actually prepared oh. while waiting for you to join this podcast. Oh, boy. It is unrelated to anything we've talked about before, but it is movie related. Okay, okay. I don't have a witty title for it. It's fine. But what I have is, and don't do any research on your computer right now, just okay. listen and be engaged. I'm listening. I have three movies that Liam Neeson is either filming or in post-production. <laughs> okay? Uh-huh. Three movies. Now, two of them are real Liam Neeson movies to come. One, I have made up. Oh, man. And I have written just a a fake synopsis. Okay? And I need you to tell me which one's the fake one. Man. I like this game. Okay. All right. I was thinking like lying Liam. I don't know. I didn't have a great one for it. Sneaky Neeson. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. Uh, So insert title here. Insert okay. funny title. All right. I'm going to go down these three movies. I'm actually going to go from longest description to shortest. So that is how I'm choosing the order here. Because otherwise, you're going to really investigate. It. Would he do the fake one first? Or the or right in the middle? Or would he save it to last? So longest description to shortest. Okay. Now, two of these are real. One yes. of them is fake. Correct. Okay. Here we go. The first one. Yeah. The Locker. A disgruntled beat cop assigned to the evidence locker is trapped inside in a targeted attack on the precinct. Using the 
sorry, I wrote all this down, the confiscated evidence, he must defend himself while attackers look for one specific piece of evidence. The locker. That's okay. the first one. Okay. The second one. Honest Thief is the name of the movie. Huh. A bank... My handwriting's terrible. A bank robber <laughs> tries to turn himself in because he's falling in love and wants to live and... Oh, an honorable? And uh, an honest. Here we go. And wants to live an honest life. Okay. But when he realizes the feds are more corrupt than him, he must fight back to clear his name. Okay. Honest thief. Mm-hmm. And the final movie, Cold Pursuit. A snowplow driver seeks revenge against the <laughs> drug dealers he thinks killed his son. Short and sweet, that one. Here are the three movies. Okay, the Locker, on. Honest Thief, Cold Pursuit. Two of them are real. One is made up. Okay. I'm you can pretty, talk out loud if you want to kind of process through. I'm pretty sure Cold Pursuit is real. So I'm, I'm going to go between The Locker and Honest Thief. The Locker, I'm thinking of The Hurt Locker, which was another movie. Is it too close to be a real thing? I'm not sure. But The Honest Thief sounds like a terrible title, just like something Liam Neeson would be in. I'm going to say the fake movie is The Honest Thief. That is incorrect. Ah. The fake movie is The Locker. Ah. Honest Thief is real. Cold Pursuit is real. (laughs) We should probably do both of these movies on the episode (laughs) when they come out. Cold Pursuit. Sounds right up Liam Neeson's alley. <laughs> I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. That they had weird. him at Snowplow Driver. That's yes, right. I'm in. Yes. 